You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. On this edition, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's trip to the Etihad. Arsenal take on Manchester City on the Saturday early kickoff, hoping to get a result, hoping somehow uh, to pull off the impossible and kickstart our Premier League season. Of course, Arsenal were pretty good in midweek against West Brom and Champion in the Carabao Cup. Granted, we played against a weakened West Brom side, but Arsenal bagging six was a much-needed confidence boost, especially ahead of this huge game that we've got coming on Saturday. Now, remember, whatever happens on Saturday, we're going to have to mull over it for a while because we then go into an international break, which is not ideal at this stage of the season, I always say. But it is what it is. Uh, we've got to deal with it. And that's just the way uh, the way the football calendar works. In kind of the lead up to, to sort of putting together this preview of the game, you know, all the big sort of outlets are dominated at the moment by the news regarding Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo leaving Juventus, as confirmed by them, looked as though he was headed yesterday for Manchester City. Now it looks as though he's headed for Manchester United. Big, big story, but we're going to park that for a minute and we'll come back to it a little bit later on. It is worth talking about just briefly and we will do that. But first, let's focus on Arsenal's big game at Manchester City. Now, we've had some uh, some positive news on the injury front. Uh, obviously, it's great to see that Bukayo Saka and Kieran Tierney have both been past fit. And actually, we've got some pretty decent options available to us now, especially in those forward areas. And even at the time of this preview going live, I still haven't decided on what my 11 will be. So I'm going to get some help from you guys in the live chat with that, because I think uh, that one's going to be uh, quite tough. There's a couple of big decisions that I can't quite make myself looking at the team that I've drawn out. But let's get some, um, let's see uh, let, what you guys think. Let's get some tips from you guys and uh, gauge what it is that you guys want to see. Now, uh, a few of you in the chat box, uh, as well as saying hello, asking me to tell you that Willian has left Harry. That's all the news I want to hear. Well, right now, as we are live, Willian hasn't officially left yet. We know that Lucas Torreira uh, officially joined Roma yesterday. And we know that Willian is edging ever closer towards a move away from Emirates Stadium. Looks as though he's going to end up at Corinthians. Looks as though Arsenal are going to have to subsidise some of his wages. Consequence of, uh, you know, of signing him up on that big contract. And, and now we're stuck. You know, it's really difficult to offload these players, especially when they are on such high salaries. It makes them almost untouchable to, the, to some of the other clubs that may be interested and therefore now Arsenal are going to have to bite the bullet a little bit here with this one and uh, and move him on. Uh, did I say Roma? I meant Fiorentina. Sorry. I've got Roma on my mind. I, I meant Fiorentina. I know it's Fiorentina. We talked about it before uh, with regards to Lucas Torreira. Apologies if I said Roma there. I don't know that I did, but I'm, I'm really tired today. Could have been. Sorry. Fiorentina. Lucas Torreira has joined Fiorentina. Right. Uh, let's say a big hello to Said Abdullah and thank him for his uh, very kind super chat donation. He says, Harry, can we just simulate the game 
we know what will happen. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? To not have to go through it uh, for sure. Uh, right. Let's uh, let's start looking ahead then to this game against Manchester City. And I read an interesting or I wouldn't say it's interesting. It's probably a more worrying uh, stat than anything else. Uh, as I was looking up a couple of bits and pieces in the lead up to this show and one that really jumped out to me uh, via Albino on Twitter. Arsenal have lost eight successive league games against Manchester City. That's their joint worst run of league defeats, along with a run of eight against Leeds from 1973 to 1976. Fingers crossed Arsenal can put that right. But let's be honest, going into this game, Arsenal are not the favourites by any stretch of the imagination. Even the most optimistic of Arsenal fans out there will feel as though it's going to be a really big task. Manchester City just have quality all over the pitch. They've got incredible depth. They've got a, a way of playing a system that is well understood by everybody on the pitch. They've got a top, top coach in, in uh, Pep Guardiola. And yes, Mikel Arteta knows them well. Yes, Mikel Arteta knows Pep well. A lot of those players individually, he understands what their strengths and weaknesses are, given the time he spent coaching at Manchester City. But you still feel that given the golfing class between the two sides and the fact that it's at the Etihad, it's going to be really difficult for Arsenal to get any sort of result. Now, any result in my book would be massive. Any result for me would be quite, I'm not going to say reassuring, but would kind of make people feel a little bit better about what's going on at the football club at the moment, because there's been a lot of disappointment uh, with the way we in which we've started this season. The Brentford game especially was really disappointing to play against a newly promoted side. I know it was away from home. I know we had absentees. I know it was their first game in the Premier League and they were really up for it. But to lose against a promoted side in the opening game was really difficult to take. Felt like Arsenal weren't prepared even putting the kind of COVID absentees aside, it just felt like the team weren't ready, which is obviously on the club, on the manager, on those players. Um, and then obviously the game against Chelsea, for me, again, as I've said already, in the aftermath of that one, it wasn't necessarily that we got beaten by the European champions. It was the way in which we could see the two really, really soft goals. And I felt that Mikel Arteta needed to set us up in a different way in order for us to be uh, more defensively solid, in order for us to be able to to cause Chelsea problems as well as, you know, hold them off. And I didn't think we got that right. So that was disappointing too. Um, but the great thing about football is most of the time there's a, there's a game just around the corner. And of course, Arsenal travelled to the Etihad with only one thing in mind, according to Mikel Arteta, and that is winning. He said, uh, when asked what would constitute success for Arsenal on Saturday, that Arsenal were after the victory. And like, he's got to say that, hasn't he? As the manager, he's got to show ambition. He's got to show desire. But Mikel Arteta, make no mistake about it, would be delighted if his team could come away with a point. And I don't think it's going to be easy and I don't think it's even likely, but it's not impossible. I said this going into the Chelsea game as well. And people said, where's all this positivity coming from? I always say, if you can't have a bit of positivity going into a match, what's the point in playing it? What is the point in playing it? And listen, worst teams than Arsenal in recent years have gone to the Etihad and and, and given them a hard time, have caused them problems. And look, if Arsenal get beaten 1-0, if Arsenal get beaten 2-0, but Arsenal give a really good account of themselves, then as I've said before, you have to take a step back, understand that our season will not be defined by the games against Manchester City and Chelsea and Liverpool and, and 
take the positives from it and move forward. I feel like our season is going to kickstart after the international break. It has to kickstart after the international break, because if it doesn't, Mikel Arteta could be in real trouble. And the the negative mood and the voices of discontent around the, the Emirates Stadium are only going to get louder, stronger and more powerful. And that's not good for anyone. We need Arsenal to turn it around. We need Arsenal to start showing us something to give us encouragement for the remainder of the season, because we're only three games in, or we will be three games in after we play Manchester City. And it feels as though there is a lot of doom and gloom around the club at this point. So give us something, Arsenal, to feel good about. Give us something to be positive about. Give us an indication that this team has the desire, the fight, the passion uh, to succeed and give us a sign that we are good enough to compete against the Premier League's elite in one-off fixtures at the very least. So let's uh, let's move into the team that I would pick uh, going into the trip uh, to Manchester City. And again, as I say, I'm not fully decided on the front line of it yet. Uh, so we're going to talk about this and we're going to discuss it and we're going to probably make the selection here together. A lot of discussion around whether Arsenal should play a back three or whether Arsenal should play with a back four. For me, they should have played with a back three against Chelsea and they should play with a back three against Manchester City. That's the way I would go. And I have specific reasons where I feel like that is even... It was the way to go against Chelsea because that's the way they play. And I think you need to match that formation up. I really, really do. I'm a strong believer in that. But also, given the patterns of play that we see we see from Manchester City and the way they like to move the ball, I actually think this is a no-brainer, probably more so than it was against Chelsea. I think this is the decision that needs to be made. And again, I was disappointed with Arteta uh, after that Chelsea game for getting it wrong. I'll be disappointed with him if he goes to City and he, he gets this wrong as well. So this is what I want to I want to see. I'm going to go with Ramsdale in goal. Now, that might be controversial. I know it was against West Brom's second string, but I just felt so much more comfortable with him in goal. I really did. I don't think that he's going to play. I think that Bern Leno will come straight back into the side. I think he remains the number one at present. But I liked what Ramsdale gave us in terms of his calmness on the ball. I thought his decision-making was better than that of Bern Leno. And granted, it wasn't a game in which he was majorly tested, but he made a few smart stops. He looks better with the ball at his feet. Looks as though he's willing to almost bin the manager's instructions of playing out from the back at times if he feels that's the right way to go. Always open to playing a pass into midfield. Uh, came out and caught a couple of crosses as well. I thought he looked a little bit more dominating than Bern Leno. So for me, I would chuck Ramsdale in goal. I know that's not a popular opinion, and I don't think, for the record, that that's what Mikel's going to do, but that is what I would go with. Now, moving into the back line, I said to you I'd play a back three, and that is exactly what I want to do. I'm going to go with a back three of holding Pablo Marie and Kieran Tierney. Now, Kieran Tierney, of course, as I mentioned, has been past fit. He will be available uh, for the game at the weekend. Now, the reason I've gone with this is because I feel like the back three is the way to go. And I'll come on to explain my reasons tactically in a little bit. But when you look at who's available, Gabriel obviously has returned to training, but I don't think he'll be ready in time for this one. I think Pablo Marie's big problem has been uh, a lack of pace, a lack of physicality. I think when you play as the central one, 
against a team like Manchester City who don't play with an out-and-out centre-forward, I think you can probably get away with it. So I'm less worried about Pablo Marie in a game like this than I would be in like in a game like the one against Chelsea, where he was essentially ragdolled uh, by uh, Romelu Lukaku, as we've discussed on numerous occasions. I think Kieran Tierney has shown time and time again that he can tuck in as a third centre-back. I think he's a really good uh, one-to-one defender. We saw that tendency to tuck in against Chelsea. And actually, that was one of our problems when he was defending. He was trying to come narrow, obviously under the manager's instruction, but we weren't dealing with the the, the possession and the threat uh, that was coming um, down the uh, right and left-hand side from Chelsea. So that's what I would go with. Tierney, uh, Pablo Marie holding. I know there are question marks around Tierney's fitness. Uh, he has been past fit to play. It's said that he's available for selection. I know a lot of people are worried about that, wary about that, maybe don't want to risk him. But what I'd say is this. If the club were telling us the truth, that it was just cramping, then I don't see why he can't play a week later. Uh, obviously not involved in the game at West Brom at all. Therefore, should be fit, should be rested. So for me, Kieran Tierney uh, comes in to that back line. Now, moving into the wing back positions, I'm going to go with, and again, I don't know how popular this will be. Actually, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to go with Nuno Tavares. Looked a little bit raw uh, for me uh, against West Brom. Has looked a little bit raw every time we've seen him in an Arsenal shirt. But what I will say is that I think he is physically incredibly good. I think he's really strong. I think he's really quick. I think he's really powerful. He's got the engine clearly to get up and down that pitch. And he adds a physicality to the team that I think we miss sometimes. I think we can be a little bit lightweight as a team Arsenal. Um, and I'd look forward to seeing him playing in that role. People have toyed with the idea of him coming over uh, to the other side and playing on the right. I'm not sure I would do that to him. Uh, so therefore, I'm going to play him from the left-hand side. Moving over to the right, uh, I'm going to go with another surprise choice, and it's going to be Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Why am I going with Maitland-Niles? Well, basically, because I don't think Callum Chambers is a wing-back. I don't think Cedric has looked good enough. I didn't think he looked good enough against Chelsea. I thought probably more worrying than anything else, he looked really off the pace. And I don't want to see Hector Bellerin in the team if it is uh, true that Arsenal are really trying to push him out of the door right now. So I would go with Ainsley. Uh, in the right wing back position. I think he gives you the ability to switch it up when you've got possession. He can get that bit further forward. He can join in with a midfield. He can tuck inside. He's incredibly versatile, very cool in possession as well. And I think this is Maitland-Niles' position. I know he wants to play midfield. I know a lot has been made of that. I know there's been links uh, to a move away where he might get the opportunity more frequently to play in his preferred central midfield position. But this, for me, is what Ainsley Maitland-Niles does best. And that's why uh, I am picking him there. Some of you saying that Ben White is available uh, in the chat. Uh, we we know that he's back training. We know that he's back involved uh, or that he's going to be back involved. But we don't know that he is uh, he's ready for selection. Now, if you look at the Arsenal.com team update that they put out earlier on, in with Saka and with Tierney, it said is available for selection. If I'm not mistaken, it didn't say that. Um, 
with uh, with Ben White. Let me just double check that uh, just to make sure I'm not giving you any uh, wrong information. But I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, thinking back to what I read earlier on, uh, that actually he is not available uh, or that they didn't specify anyway whether or not he'd be available for selection. And that kind of suggests to me that there's a good chance he isn't. Let's find it here. Yeah, Ben tested positive for COVID-19 and has missed the last two matches. Ben's health and fitness will be continually monitored ahead of Saturday. So some people are saying he is available. That doesn't say that he's not available, but it only tells us that he'll be monitored ahead of Saturday. So I'm not convinced he's ready, first of all, you know, because he hasn't trained for a whole week. And second of all, because if he's had COVID, you know, sometimes that can have a bit of an impact. It takes a bit of time to get over. So I'm not putting Ben White in my side for those reasons. If he is fit, then I'll probably take out Pablo Marie, if I'm honest, because I think he's had a torrid start to the season. He's really struggled. But even though, you know, we could play with a back four and essentially, you know, change things around, I still think this is the system to go and I think the system wins over the personnel, if that makes sense. Sorry if you can hear any background noise from outside. Um, I've got the door open and someone's decided to start grinding something outside is what it is. Uh, moving into the midfield, we are going to go with uh, Xhaka, who I've talked about quite a bit recently as someone who I felt has struggled a little bit when being asked to press further up the pitch. If Arsenal are going to play with a low block, which I think they should, with the back three that becomes the back five without possession, and Xhaka sitting just in front of that defence, I think this game is really suited to him. I think it's the kind of game in which uh, he looks at his best. I'm not saying he's going to have a, a barnstormer and then dominate Manchester City, but the point is I like Xhaka in a low block. I think he looks better there. He looks more comfortable there. And that, for me, is uh, what I would go with in midfield. Remember, we're quite limited in the middle of the park at the moment as well. I did toy with the idea of putting either Odegaard or Smithrow in there alongside Xhaka because if we play this way, we'll have that back three behind them, which gives you that added bit of steel. But I decided against it in the end, and I've gone with Lokonga as his partner. Uh, really good range of passing. Lokonga got arrested midweek. I think he's key in the way that I'd like us to play. And again, I'll come on to the tactical side of how I see this one going and where the game could potentially be won and lost in a little bit. Centre forward, I'm going with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Now, had he not just hit form, had he not performed the way he did against West Brom and had he not shown himself to be interested, in my opinion, because he really did, you know, he, I thought he really showed um, an interest it wasn't a glamour game. It wasn't the big game. It wasn't the big return uh, that, you know, he might have hoped for. But he came back. He, his attitude looked right. He looked like he cared when he scored goals. He played with a smile on his face. And I was really positive about what we saw from our captain uh, midweek. So he leads the line for me. And again, it comes down to how I see this game going tactically, which we'll get to. Now, this was tough for me, this next bit, because Emil Smith-Rowe is a player I really, really like. Um, you know, as is Saka, as is Odegaard. I think because Odegaard hasn't played much football, I think he got about 60, 65 minutes in midweek. I think I would probably leave him out from the start 
in this one. Now, that's not because I didn't, don't think he played well. I thought he was excellent. I thought he really strung things together. But again, it's all about how you want to approach the game. If you feel like you're going to have a lot of the ball, if you feel like you want to go and take the game to your opponent, then I think Odegaard is a really, really good shout. But for me, this is not that type of game. This is a type of game where we need to be uh, ready to play on the counter-attack. And so I've gone with Smith-Rowe. Um, on the one side, I'm going with Saka on the other. Saka and Aubameyang just combined so well, didn't they, uh, in midweek that I don't want to leave Saka out of the team. Uh, you know, I know he picked up a little bit of a knock at West Brom that was being assessed. And so if there is any doubt about whether he's uh, ready or not to start the game, then Odegaard comes in for me. But if the players that we think are available are available, this is the team that I would go with. Now, feel free in the chat box to tear it apart. Um, and it's really hard for me because there's a few players in here that I didn't really want to leave out. And we'll come on to talk about those uh, in a minute. So Ramsdale in goal. I've gone with a back three of Holding, Pablo Marie and Tierney. I've gone with Maitland-Niles on the right wing back position, Tavares on the left, Xhaka and Lokonga in the middle, Emil Smith-Rowe from the left, Saka from the right and Aubameyang up front. Now, there's a few bits in there, right? So first of all, I found it incredibly difficult to leave Martin Odegaard out, but I've explained the reasons uh, just then. Found it really difficult to leave Nicolas Pepe out as well, because I'm a massive fan of Nicolas Pepe. I think he's so underrated among Arsenal fans. I think he gets a lot of stick uh, sometimes when he doesn't deserve it. I think that price tag has haunted him from the day he joined the club. But as I've always said, when you look at his outputs in terms of goals, assists, contributions, he is way up there, way up there. Um, and so it was really tough for me to leave him out. But you can't play everyone. And as I said, right at the top of the show, we've got a lot of attacking options available to us going into this fixture. Saka, for me, could play left wing back. That is an option. You could put him there, leave Tavares out. Um, or play Saka left wing back and move Tavares to right wing back, as some people have suggested in the live chat. But I just think we saw again at West Brom what an impact Bukayo Saka can have on games in the final third when he's on it. When he's at the races, he's excellent. He's sensational. And it feels like a bit of a waste dropping him back. Now, I anticipate that Arsenal are going to have to do a lot of defending in this game against Manchester City. If we were playing this wing-back formation against a slightly lesser opponent, an opponent that I felt we had a greater chance of having a, a fair share of possession against, then I'd play Saka in the left wing-back position. But my reasoning for him not playing there is because we're going to defend a hell of a lot and we need a natural defender, in my personal view. Now, going on to the game uh, tactically, as I said, uh, you know, I do expect uh, Manchester City to dominate the ball. I do expect Manchester City to have the lion's share of possession. And I do expect Arsenal to have to be camped on the edge of their box quite a bit. I talked about some of our forward players and the reason that I've picked the ones that I have is because I feel like we need runners. Uh, we need people who can carry the ball. We also need people in the deeper positions who can play passes early. We need a Bamiang to run the channels. We need Saka to do that too. We need Smithrow to be able to carry the ball and carry us up the pitch quite quickly because Manchester City, there is no doubt in my mind, will play with an extremely high line. 
a really high line. Uh, that's what they'll do. We know that's what they do. They like to squeeze their opponents. It even becomes a back three at times. They push a fullback into midfield and try and create overloads there. So I want Arsenal to sit back, defend, soak up pressure and look to hit them on the counter-attack with balls into the channels early for Saka and Aubameyang to chase onto. I think that's the way you go. I think Smith Rowe's ability to hold the ball and carry the ball will help us in the transition as we look to build from winning the ball back in deeper areas. But the main reason I've gone with the back three is this. Attacking stuff aside, we know that Whoops, don't know what happened there. The audio uh, went. Sorry about that. Uh, I was looking at the tactics board and didn't even realise it. How long has it been like that for? Bloody hell. Right, let me uh, let me go back to what I was saying. So I expect Manchester City to want to hurt us in these areas that I've squared off. So those inside spaces, that's why I want to see the team packed out there. That's why I want to see the team uh, looking so strong there. That's why I want to see us flood that particular area. So for me, it's imperative absolutely imperative that we show Manchester City inside time and time again, and then make sure that we have the bodies to deal with that. If they want to go wide, let them go wide. They'll be putting balls into the penalty area from wide positions, and I would back our three centre-backs to deal with that. They have to. If they can't deal with that, then you know we've got no chance. That will be the bread and butter. The thing is, is that Manchester City don't play with an out-and-out centre-forward, as we've seen. It's likely that Ferran Torres could play through the middle. Gabriel Jesus has been deployed from the right. I don't know if he'll come back into a central position, but either way, City like to hurt you centrally. They build their play in a certain way, and I want to see Arsenal nullify that by showing them inside and then making sure they've got the bodies there to deal with it. Equally, as is pointed out uh, by Sasha in the chat, they like. Um, they like to play with cutbacks. They do like to get to that byline and cut balls back, in which case you've got to make sure you're aware of those midfield runners. That'll be on Xhaka and Lokonga to track them. But also having the back three means you've always got the spare man who's able to watch, read what's going on, step out of the defence, hopefully, and uh, and block people. So, yeah, um, that's the way I'd go. That's the way I'd go. And for those reasons, and as I talked about it from an attacking point of view, I want to see Arsenal get the ball forward early. I want to see Arsenal be a little bit more direct. And I think that's the forward line that you probably need to play if that's the way you want to go. I'd love to put Martin Odegaard in the team. I would. I'd love to put Nicolas Pepe in the team. Not really sure how to get them in the team. I don't know if I'd put Pepe in Um maybe ahead of Smith Rowe if we're talking about playing on the break and wanting runners. With Odegaard, though, I'm I'm mindful of how we fit him in, but I'm also mindful of the fact that he hasn't played any football. He only got 60 minutes under his belt against West Brom. I don't know. It's going to be a, a really difficult decision for Mikel Arteta to make because, as I say, in those forward areas right now, we are incredibly well stocked. So that's my team. Those are the reasons for me picking that particular team. And now it's time to give you guys a prediction. My prediction uh, is a 1-0 Man City win. I feel like we should set up this way. Don't know if we will, but if we do, I think we've got a good chance of really frustrating them for long periods. But I think the quality would tell in the end. I'm not trusting in this team to, uh, you know, to keep their concentration for 90 minutes, which is often a problem. 
And so I think Manchester City will punish us at some point. But I'm predicting a narrow defeat uh, for Arsenal on the day, which is, um, you know, considering I've been talking about positivity and and all of that, I know it seems a bit negative, but that's what I I think is going to happen genuinely. Uh, so that's my expectation for the game. Right, let's uh, just quickly touch uh, on that Cristiano Ronaldo stuff. Of course, Manchester City involved in that story. And then we'll take some of your questions and thoughts ahead of the trip to Manchester City on Saturday afternoon. Cristiano Ronaldo looked as though he was Manchester City bound yesterday and now it looks as though he is Manchester United bound with them having submitted an offer to Juventus for his transfer. A lot of us were kind of sitting there going, would Ronaldo actually do that to to Man United? Would he join Manchester City? Obviously, they've made it clear today that their intention is not to sign him, that they're not interested in him and he doesn't really fit in terms of what they do, in terms of the age profile of player that they tend to go for, in terms of their recruitment policy. And I always, and I've also, sorry, had questions uh, about how he fits uh, with um, with Pep Guardiola's philosophy. I'm not sure he does. And I think partly that, partly the wages they'd have to fork out is what's put Manchester City off. A lot of Manchester United fans are, are excited about it now, and, and rightly so. You know, it's a bit like when we got, um, you know, when we got Thierry Henry back. I know Cristiano Ronaldo is is still uh, punching at the highest level, but I can understand the excitement. But I don't understand why Manchester United fans refuse to accept that he was considering Manchester City. Everybody who's anybody has reported that he was considering Manchester City. And why wouldn't he? Cristiano Ronaldo is a winner and he's got a much bigger chance of winning Premier League trophies, Champions League trophies even, with Manchester City. Obviously, United is is a bit of a kind of nostalgic thing and he'll end up back there, it seems now. But that's, in my opinion, because City have pulled out of the race. Yes, there is loyalty uh, to Manchester City, uh, to Manchester United. Uh, from Cristiano Ronaldo, there's a love there, there's an affection there, and it's you know reciprocated by the fans. But there's not much loyalty in football anymore, and I think the the sooner we as fans start to realise that and accept that, the sooner we'll stop being disappointed by players making moves just like that one. Uh, but yeah, on his way to Manchester United in the end, but I believe that that is because Manchester City have pulled out, and that's why that opportunity has presented itself to United rather than him having a straight up choice. Um, between the two and then uh, and then picking Man United. But there you go. Right, let's get a couple of your questions in the live chat box. Let's see what you've got. Uh, let's take some of your predictions in the meantime as well. Make sure you pop a cue in at the beginning of your questions so that they're easier for me to pick out. Um, just a quick reminder as well, that this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, head over to their website. Uh, check out their fantastic range of products. Get involved. Add the discount code, which is 19min20, when you go to checkout and you shall receive 20% off of your order as well as free worldwide shipping. So you stand to save yourself a fair chunk of money. Uh, Inter says uh, 3-0 to Manchester City. Uh, Said Abdullah says 1-0 to the Arsenal. I bet, mate, I would love that. I'd be absolutely buzzing if we were to go and win at Man City. I really would. Patrick says 4-0 City. Carrie says 0-0. Patrick uh, Carlson says 2-0 to the Arsenal. Steve Stone uh, says, Hart says 1-1. I won't tell you what my head says. Uh, Mayan says 4-1 City. Let's see uh, what else we've got. Uh, Sai says 1-1 was my preseason prediction for this game. 
I'm going to stick with it. Uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. We got a Man City 3 nil Arsenal, uh, 3 Arsenal nil as well from Anit Jewel. Uh, so there you go. Right. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. <laughs> Carlin's gone 6 nil City. Way to be positive. Uh, Alex McCarthy says, Harry, your views on how we stop Grealish playing to his strengths. We can't have another Ambuemo or Lukaku single player masterclass. So with Jack Grealish, I think obviously he looked, he was one of City's stronger players, I would say, in the game against Norwich uh, last time out. But I still think Jack Grealish is not quite on the same wavelength as some of his teammates. And naturally, you know, it's going to take time, you know, for him to, uh, to find his way. It's going to take time for him to work out what it is that's going on at City, how he can best link up with the players around him. The thing with Jack Grealish is he's always going to cut inside. And that's why I talk about playing this system and talk about the need to show Man City inside, but then have the bodies, um, you know, within the close proximity of those attackers to be able to close them down and make it extremely difficult for them to break through us. So that's my kind of feelings on that. I think Grealish can be controlled. Obviously, he's got class, as do many Man City players, and they are capable of pulling out a moment of magic, in which case you say, OK, you know, we couldn't do a great deal about that. But what I want to see from Arsenal, not just with Grealish, but with everyone, is at least, uh, you know, them doing the right things theoretically in terms of showing the players into the spaces that we can control, showing places into areas in which we want them to go, pushing people out on the outside as well uh, at times. And if that's the route they choose to go down, they're making sure that we have the ability to defend the, any cutbacks or crosses into the penalty area. You want to sometimes show them inside, uh, you know, because you will have the most bodies there and you'll feel as though you can deal with it. But also you've got to know when to show them on the outside as well and then trust your ability, as I say, to deal with the crosses. So City will try different things because they're a good team and they've got great footballers. You need to be prepared for every eventuality. You need to be solid in field, but you also need to be ready to defend those balls into the box, whether they be cutbacks or crosses. Right. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Carrie says, is there any new players coming? I'm not sure, my friend. Um, you know, we've heard yesterday that Hussein Mawar has been offered to Arsenal. Uh, but that they've not responded to Leon yet. I don't know how true that is. I don't know if there's been any movement on that, but I, I don't know of anything imminent at the moment. So I do get the feeling that with Arsenal right now, they've they've done their business in terms of incomings. Could potentially bring one more in, I feel, if the opportunity presents itself. Uh, but otherwise, I'd imagine that the focus between now and the end of the window will mainly be on outgoings. And I think when we talk about incomings, that could be contingent on us uh, securing some of those deals with regards to players moving out as well. Let's see uh, what we what else we've got. Um, going back to that greedish thing, uh, Olivier says, use a very offensive perfume and close him down very tight. Uh, Vishal Vibaka says, uh, high time we set up a back. High, it's time we set up with a back three. I'd argue that 3-5-2 is more stable and better reinforced than a 3-4-3. That way we have the width and we can shift to a 5-3-1-1 or a 5-4-1 in the defensive third. Thoughts? I don't think there's really that much difference between a 3-5-2 and a 3-4-3 if they're played in the right way. I think that being able to switch between the two is actually quite key. 
I think a 3-5-2 means essentially you're playing with two forwards. And I don't think that's what Arsenal are going to do. I think Arsenal will play with one forward in Aubameyang and then players in support of him. That's why I don't think the 3-5-2 is necessarily for us. I think it's more of a 3-4-2-1. I think that's what it looks like uh, in in with this Arsenal team and with the players that we have available. Um, so uh, I take your point. I just feel like that's the best way to set us up. Uh, given the personnel that we have uh, at our disposal. That would be my formation. So the 3-4, it's like a 3-4-2-1, basically. I know it doesn't look like that in the graphic because I've had to drop a Bamiyang back so his name doesn't get covered. But there you go. You get the gist of it. Right. Uh, Going to take one more question uh, before we uh, wrap it up. And as as always, we'll be bringing you the uh, post-match podcast maybe uh, an hour or two after the game concludes tomorrow when we've had a chance to process a little bit what's gone on. And then the tactical analysis will be coming the following day. Uh, Haylor says, uh, what is not mentioned is that Arteta knows Man City really well, so he should be able to anticipate their tactics. Don't you agree? I mentioned that right at the top of the show. I mentioned that I feel like with his knowledge of Manchester City, it's, it, you know, it doesn't guarantee that he's going to be able to, to outdo them and that we're definitely going to get the result, but it does give him a slight advantage in comparison to when we play against other opponents. He knows what Pep's philosophy is all about. And perhaps more significantly, he knows the flaws and the strengths of those individual players or a lot of those individual players anyway. Uh, so yeah, you know, you do see it as a bit of an advantage for Mikel Arteta in comparison to when he plays against Chelsea, for example, but they're still a better side than us. They've still got a top manager. Um, so it's going to be, um, you know, top manager and top players. It's still going to be a really big ask. But as I say, I just want to see spirit fight. I want to see the right tactics applied and if we get beaten by a moment of absolute magic, then it is what it is. They're the Premier League champions. They're an outstanding side. And as I've said before, our season will not be defined by this type of fixture. But I don't want to see Arsenal go and get thumped. I don't want to see Arsenal being set up to fail. Um, and I want to see a committed display. That's what I'm looking for out of tomorrow's game. Right. We are going to leave it there. Um, we're going to leave it there. I'm going to catch you all tomorrow. Uh, going to go and have a nice Friday night off. Got some really bad back pain, been in agony, um, and I'm uncomfortable sitting in this position. So I'm going to go chill out Friday night off, not up nice and early tomorrow, preparing for the game, watching the game, and then, of course, bringing you guys some reaction to that game. So stay tuned to the channel. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't done so already. Make sure you hit the like button if you haven't done so already as well. In fact, let's check out uh, where we are in terms of likes at the moment, because likes really do help. Look, we've only got 62 on the board, but there's over 228 of you watching us live on YouTube as it stands. So hit that like button. Let's get it up to 100 at least. I mean, that should be light work. Hit the like button now. Smash it, smash it, smash it. Let's get as many of those as we can on the board. And if you're listening via the audio platforms, which I'm sure many of you are, then please do leave us a review. It really, really does help. Right. Thank you uh, to all of you for your kind words in the chat. Uh, thank you for all your well wishes. And I'll catch you all tomorrow. Fingers crossed we'll be talking about a good Arsenal performance and a positive result. Until then, take care. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.